outfit one. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go, Freddy! That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not bury them. Marshall gets away, Marshall gets away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to put an illegal high shot on the big issues. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all of the big topics in the wonderful world of rugby league, including the possible introduction of smart football technology. We ask how young is too young when it comes to debuting in first grade, and we discuss PVL's desire to fast-track Cameron Smith to be an immortal next year. But first... I am joined in the biggest tiger Astrodome by the only men who hate Melbourne Storm so much they are currently litigating turbulent weather in the Australian High Court. It's Xander Rosotto and Media Watch Mario. Welcome to the show, gents. Good to be here, mate. And may I say that I'm, I'm proud to be represented by Sydney Powell. How is the legal case going, by the way? She's getting ready to unleash the Kraken on uh, Cam Smith. It's, it's fantastic. I'm sure she's she's clearly got a, a really great case building. Okay. It is difficult, I think, to prosecute a case against weather, but it wouldn't be the first time you've been caught yelling at clouds, would it, Mario? <laughs> That's certainly something I'm accused of regularly. So what does that case look like? If you were to prosecute weather like that you guys are currently doing, is it essentially trying to bankrupt Tim Bailey? I mean, what... What does the inside of the courtroom actually look like? That feels like a dated reference, could I just say? Is Tim Burley yeah, even he's still lost a... his job months <laughs> ago. <laughs> I was like, is he even around? Like now he, he more just stands in the weather as opposed to... Mate, he's know, on radio it. now. He's on satellite radio. Big shout out, Tim. You're a good man from what I understand. Uh, but you're right, he has... Poor man. Yeah, he doesn't quite bring in the same big dollars as he used to at Channel 10. Murray, you're a big fan of Tim Bailey, aren't you? I actually am because he's a close friend of a close family friend. Really? Fuck, I'm glad I said something <laughs> okay about him then. <laughs> Do you know what's weird? I think that my wife might rela- be related to Tim Bailey in some way as well. So I'm wondering, Mario, are we cousins? By marriage, it's entirely possible. Who knows? I, I really hope it's true. I, I do. I don't see my cousins because I hate my guts. So it'd be nice to hang out with you one day. Now, before we start the show today, it would be remiss of us, gents, not to mention that it was International AIDS Day this week. Uh, it's a day designed to raise the profile of the disease, which I have to say seems a bit weird to me because, if anything, I thought we wanted less AIDS in the world, not more of it. Why are we celebrating AIDS Day? I think uh, we celebrate AIDS Day in the same way that we celebrate Anzac Day. It's more of a commemoration, right? Like, you don't celebrate it. Mm. Um, For yeah. all the gay men we lost. I mean, if you think back to the 80s, which you two are, you know, all, almost old enough to do, I think, um, there was, you know, one of the greatest commercials of all time about AIDS. But what have you seen around the bloody current pandemic? Nothing. It's all boring and serious. And, you know, except for laughing at Trump sticking bleach up his anus, it's all pretty, pretty ho-hum. So Mario, he didn't stick it up his anus. You're thinking of Pete Evans. He, 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 he suggested injecting it into his veins. And you know the other good thing, Mario, about that ad back in the 80s, you're right, it was quite iconic and it featured 10-bin bowling. The silver lining, free shoe hire went through the roof during the day. <laughs> <laughs> in the 80s? I don't know if you know that or not. AIDS was still an issue, but uh, the 10-pin bowling alleys, they were packed. 
That is such like that commercial though. That is still a great commercial. Can I just say it scared yeah, the effective. shit out of me when I was a little kid. Yeah. Even though you know I wasn't exactly having sex with anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't know why. Yeah. I was just fucking scared. I'm with you. That's why I only lost my virginity when I was 27. I was still thinking about that fucking ad. I tell you. And I don't know about any listeners that might not be aware of the cultural reference here, but it featured the Grim Reaper essentially bowling over families who had died of AIDS. Yeah. Uh, which is a cheery image it in between was, it was Yogi a, Bear cartoon. It's what's known as effective marketing. Look, this is a tough sell. I'm going to throw this at you, Mario. I know it's a tough sell, but how would you promote AIDS to the people if you were an ad man today? Say you were given the unfortunate task of actually promoting it in 2020. How would you do it? You're going to get some sort of STD anyway, so go with one of the more manageable ones. Oh, that, that that's actually lured me in. I know it's a lot more treatable now, but I don't know if I would describe it technically as one of the more manageable STDs. I think I'd still rather a lot of others. It's great for weight loss. Now, before we've begun the Tigers and attempt to sign anything with a cock and balls for a million dollars a year, just a reminder, you can follow the show on most forms of social media via the handle at Voluntary Tackle. You can also follow Xander Risotto at Xander underscore TVT and Media Watch Mario at Mario underscore Siegs. Now, for our first topic today, gentlemen, we are talking advanced smart technology. And for once, we're not referring to the cyborg that is Ivan Cleary. No, the NRL is reportedly investigating the deployment of microchip technology in the Steeden footballs to help rule on forward passes. These types of decisions have always been pretty contentious in the area of the rugby league. Uh, Xander, I'm going to start with you. Is this a good decision to allow technology to handle the adjudication instead of a human being, mate? I don't like it. Um, and uh, the reason I don't like this particular encroachment of technology is that I'm, I, I think that it tech has its place in adjudicating the game. I think that you do want to be sure that you don't have uh, howlers in the act of scoring a try. But I also am a big believer in the difference between the rule and the spirit of the rule, if that makes sense. So what, I'm, what I mean by that is, is you know, the rules were designed to prevent certain advantages going to, to um, the attacking or defensive team. And, and for yeah. me... So you couldn't do a Joe Namath. That yeah. was the reason, wasn't exactly. it? Don't do a 40-metre fucking haymaker to your wide receiver. Exactly, right? So, I mean, to me, most of the time when, you know, you, people, people get really upset about these marginal balls. And when you actually look at the play or the break that's been made, they really haven't provided any advantage. Usually there's a, there's an overlap or something already. It's a technical error and a minor pedantic one at that. And I just don't want the game to turn into the NFL or rugby union where everything gets broken down and, and you know we're, we're pursuing a perfection that isn't there. And then, of course, you also have to uh, account for the fact that really uh, a forward pass is, fo- is, is a pass that comes backwards out of the hands. When you're at full pelt, um, you know, momentum will dictate that the ball may drift forward out of the hands anyway. Well, I assume the technology is going to cater for that, Mario, the idea of physics, because um, it's meant to be smart technology after all. We're not all batting away on a BlackBerry. But, I mean, what do you do you agree with Xander there, Mario, that we don't have to be as forensic with the game and that smart technology is not really needed? In a way, I agree, but in mostly I don't. I, I agree that we can't, you know, a ball is flat if it's if it's just a little bit forward or something. As far as I'm concerned, there's got to be a margin of error. I think when you're using a technology for something like that. So let's call it anything less than five degrees forward. You know, in terms of you know, you know, better get out the fucking set square. Let that go. But it's for stuff that's blatantly forward. Because otherwise, if you start saying we can't nitpick, well, oh well, they're only 
they're only half a meter offside. Let's not rule it. The, the ball only got knocked on by a few inches. Let's not call it. You've, the whole point is it's a game of inches and every inch counts as, you know, title of my sex tape. And we, we can't just say a little bit forward doesn't give you an advantage because there's been grand finals won and lost based on forward passes that were blatantly forward and refs are humans and they miss stuff and that's okay. If a technology can stop those howlers and I'm all for it. However, the concern is, of course, in a way I will agree with Xander, that anyone who's ever watched any soccer over the last couple of years, VAR is an absolute joke. It is just calling um, penalties and calling um, goals that aren't and then vice versa. And everybody can see a decision is wrong and yet the decision goes through. So the concern is, I don't, it needs to be a simple mathematical thing with a margin of error. And then I think I'd be okay with it. Yeah, so this this is I I, I actually agree with you um, on that one, Mario. My my concern is precisely what you raised what you've raised with the VAR. the The fact that it's technology and it would be an automated system, you know, via chips, it's what I don't like about it. It it, it leaves no room for nuance and common sense. And I think. For the most part, the the linesmen and the referees do a pretty good job with the forward passes. You know, like there's there's one or two here and there, and it's the same with the offside. You know, you, you, if you bring in this, you may as well bring in VAR uh, and adjudicate the offside, and then it, the game will be blown up every two seconds if they do that. Well, just to be contrarian, I feel like a forward pass isn't one of those kind of interpretive things like a strip. Are you saying what common sense can be brought in with a forward pass? To me, it's either it's forward or it's not, isn't it? It's quite a. It's actually quite a complex task you're asking it to do, and that, that's the cameras to measure whether or not the hands are going backwards compared with the the, the offside line and the ball travelling forward. Mm. You know, they're, they're going to fuck it up, and there's going to there's just going to be more penalties and more stoppages. And I think the you know there is I, I'm I'm more comfortable with the human judgment and the referees kind of letting it flow. Xander, why would there be more penalties and and slowing the game down if the say for example that the technology mm. works effectively? Wouldn't that just mean the hookers and and people who are regularly passing in the game start to brush up their game and they don't get away with the five percent of forward passes? There will be you know potentially some of that to a mm. degree, like people will be more nervous about it, but at the same time there'll be some incredibly crisp runs of play mm. that, you know, really the ball has actually gone backwards out of the hand and the tech will just be so pedantic and so fine-tuned that you'll just you'll just see the game destroyed in the way that it has um, with that, you know, a few years back, um, they were ruling the obstruction rule in the most ridiculous, overly technical way. There were these beautiful sweeping plays you'd see and they'd be like, oh, well, you know, this player has uh, actually just gone through the shadow of one player three rucks back that influenced fucking nothing, mm. but they've cut it back. Mario, I've got, I'm going to bring you in here. Xander's sort of contending that, that it could be a bit too pedantic and we're going to sort of see a lot of those forward passes were a bit line ball get pulled up and it's going to slow down the game, but... On the plus side, it would completely precipitate the early retirement of Cameron Smith, surely. Well, it would, but on the downside, no player would ever be able to touch him in terms of being the greatest hooker again because you look at the current hookers. I mean, Reed Marnie can't pass a single ball backwards, so he'd have to instantly retire. Yeah, I just It's going to be hard for any hooker to touch him when he's had the advantage of being able to throw so many passes forward and get away with it. So I certainly fear for, for Jake Friend. Uh, his career's over anyway after Origin. <laughs> they did win the series, mate. Jeez, I love his friend bashing. Yeah, Jake Friend is barely going to get on the field. I wouldn't worry about it. There was something interesting, Xander, in, in I guess inferred in what you were saying, was the idea that this technology 
will be fallible. That's something that I kind of really didn't consider. You said it's going to start picking up things that are marginal, if not really or accurate. For blatantly incorrect. What, what, are, what are you basing that on? Because we don't know what the smart tech is yet, do we? Well, I'm basing it on the fact that, you know, the richest soccer leagues in the world have introduced VAR technology and they can't get that right, right? Mm. And that, that, that seems to be a simpler problem to solve than a forward pass, which frankly has more variables. So you're trying to calculate, like the, the direction of the ball is fine, but it's going to have to triangulate with the direction of the hands. And that, that is not a simple... I mean, you're thinking about the, 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 the direction the players are facing. There's a whole range of things that mm. will have to take into account. The, it's, it'll take a while to tinker with and get right. And I just, I just think it will, it'll make the game too pedantic and too technical, and I just don't like the idea. I tell you, on the plus side, Xander, it will probably get rid of touch judges because, as we know, they're pretty superfluous at the moment. That'll probably save 65-odd dollars a game. PVL will be a massive fan of that, that's for sure. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but for a little while there, uh, I think it was the late 90s, early noughties, the NRL kind of experimented with this idea of having a roving camera that used to actually follow the play. And I used to love it as a spectator. I thought it was a great perspective of the game. But the one thing I noticed that it did do was give you great insight into the forward pass because obviously we know angles can be really deceptive, which is the reason that the video ref doesn't rule on forward passes at the moment because it really depends on what angle the camera is. Do you guys think that we don't need smart tech so much as a camera or a drone, for example, that actually followed the ruck and actually provided a suitable angle for us to uh, sort of adjudicate on forward passes. Don't we just need uh, who's the guy who shot Li- who killed Lincoln? The bloody names just escaped me. John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> yeah, we just need him. We just need him to come along and kill Bernard Sutton, and then we'll probably have better refs, and we'll be fine. Well, I'm glad I picked your brains on that one, Mario. I've certainly walked away a, a more edified man as a result of that. Now, the, I guess the problem, as you alluded to earlier, Xander, was that that you know if the tech's faulty. I can imagine this being, and I assume they'll, they'll do all of their checks and balances, the NRL, and cross their T's and, and dot their I's. But if the technology was fallible, do you guys think that there'd be more of an outcry from NRL fans over technology fucking up than human beings? We sort of understand that implicitly that homo sapiens can make mistakes, but we get fucking angry when technology makes mistakes. So are we sort of making a rod for our own back? Yeah, that is, and you know, I mean, you can tell I'm already angry about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you don't even <laughs> so, know what the tech is. So, so no, I, I like that's the problem. Is I mean, you know, uh, like we may get there where where there is a a machine learning algorithm that that understands um, common sense and the flow of the game and all those little things. But we're not remotely there yet, and uh, mm. it'll just be it'll be annoying because it'll feel as though the game is being turned into something too clinical and lacking all all common sense. So, do you think then that at some point you would like to see this technology introduced? Just not yet, because we're not there yet. Look, in it, if you know, in all honesty, in an ideal world, if you could, if you could. Uh, institute a, a very sophisticated AI to adjudicate on games and it was just purely cut and dry, then no one could complain about referee bias. Mm. So that'd be a positive. You know, they always say that the best referees are the ones who are invisible on the field. They would literally be invisible. <laughs> they wouldn't be there. Uh, They'd be because, fired. Exactly. Um, you know, so I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, but, you know, we, we, we're struggling with dri- driverless uh, cars at, at mm. the moment, so I, I don't I don't see this as uh, something that's going to happen anytime well, soon. Well, you know, it could see the likes of people like Ashley Klein working full-time at the Bunnings instead of actually working as a first-grade referee, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. He, he's actually attending to his true calling in life because he does make quite a few mistakes. Look, we, we've talked about this technology in terms of its efficiency on the field, but what about what else it actually delivers to NRL fans? Because 
you know, Andrew Abdo actually alluded to this before. He said that this kind of microchip technology in the NRL, it could actually create more data uh, for fans to actually take advantage of. They could create some new products off the back of this. Is that something you'd like to see? Nah, boring. What we need to get is we need virtual reality devices so we can just actually have very sophisticated um, animation set up so that we are basically inside the referee watching the game. So then we can really hate him for wrong decisions that we know we could see for ourselves were correct. So uh, Mario, if I'm hearing you correctly, you want to be inside Bernard Sutton. (laughs) Next up, we're asking how young is too young? And before you all get up in arms, we're not dedicating any airtime to the exploits of Rolf Harris. Instead, we're about to discuss the Australian Rugby League Commission's plan to meet and discuss the game's age policy. This follows the Sydney Roosters signing of 17-year-old Joseph Sawali. Clearly, the NRL are exploring the idea of having him debut earlier than the current age cutoff of 18 because he's such an exciting prospect. So my first question on the show is this. Is this just a case of PVL bending the rules for the commercial lure of having a highly publicised player playing the competition earlier than expected, Xander? Yeah, I, I suspect that's what it is. I, I actually agree with Phil Gould on this one. I think um, I think those rules were in place for a reason. Um, and as happy as I am that um, we've we've taken Suwali from Souths and <laughs> and just how much angst it seems to have caused them, um, I do think uh, that yeah, it is better for a teenager to be a little bit more developed before they go up against you know a you know hardened full-time first grade professionals mm. uh, i mean you know it's it's great that he's carving it up you know in the private school gps system against uh, playing, boys yep. yeah exactly but like you know his first meeting with a sofa solomona is going to be a different order issue than he's used to so no i think um i actually think they're they're right about this in terms of the way it has been managed and you know i, I don't think it would be a detriment to the roosters for him to wait a little longer Mario, this is an interesting one, right? Because there's a couple of aspects to this. Phil Gould, uh, as Xander's already alluded to, has a major problem with this because of a development aspect in terms of talent. But I I also feel like there might be a bit of a health aspect. What's your opinion on Suwali potentially debuting in the NRL at the age of 17? I think the rules were changed for a very good reason. Over at Manly, Ben Turbo and Albert Hopawadi have both been apparently carving up the lower grades for last few years and, you know, could have debuted this year. But when Albert Hopawati eventually did, well, he was friggin' garbage. And now, thank goodness, we fucked him off. But the point is, Ben Turbo... What do you really think of him, Mario? Well, fuck anyone with the surname of Hopawati. Will seems to be the only one that's not a complete... (laughs) Ben Turbo may well be ready, but Dez has chosen to hold him back a bit longer. And I think I can say that's probably... I'm going to just trust that he's done that for a reason. Um, and I think Suwali should play some reserve grade and see how he goes against some, you know, some hardened first graders, as I'm sure there are in most of the reserve grade sides and see how he goes. Certainly not rush him straight in. He's got to, he's got to prove himself against men, not against boys. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, a, I, I agree uh, completely on what, that one. I, I just think that it is one of those things. It's, it's a little bit like, um, you know, trial form versus actual form, mm. you know, but more so because, uh, yeah, I mean, a forward pack of, of, of uh, 17-year-olds is just not the same thing. Mm. And we, we honestly don't know how he's going to go at all. And I, I actually think it could almost be bad for him as a, you know, his own development 
um, if he goes out there and because of his notoriety, he's going to get targeted and he just has a, a shocker. It'll, you know, it could actually set him back. I loved your example, Xander, that you mentioned before, which was not just men against boys, but boys against Nelson Asofa Solomona, <laughs> which I thought was quite unfair. But that, I guess that's the argument, isn't it? Because we've seen great players come into first grade. And when I say great, I mean they had carved up the lower grades. Yep. But there's a huge divide, isn't there, between going from school grade footy mm. to first grade NRL let alone the fact that this guy has a huge amount of expectation on his shoulders. That could be, a, I guess, a negative impact on his career, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is this is not going to be like playing the pampered private school kids of Trinity College. It is going to be a whole other thing, and they need to they need to spend time getting him ready for that. Mm. Mario, there's another little interesting slant here, and, and I hate to be cynical, but Andrew Abdo, the CEO, and the chairman, PVL, have all been interviewed about this topic, and both haven't necessarily given answers that suggest... They care too much about the development or the health welfare of the kid. Uh, Andrew Abdo said, we'll, we could make exceptions depending on the, in quote, hype surrounding the player. And PVL, as we know, he's a man that is willing to sort of bend existing norms uh, for the commercial gain. Do you think that that's kind of what NRL is doing here when they're looking to meet and potentially bring down the age? Do you think that they're not really thinking about the welfare of the player? Look, I have no doubt that's what it is. But to me, that's so short-sighted because what good is it, you know, bringing this kid through if you totally screw him? Then he's not any sort of a, of a you know, an attraction to people who may or may not view the game as regularly as the three of us do. The problem is for every success story like Brad Fittler and Israel Folau, there's an Adam Ritson out there. You know, we, we need to... We, I want to get the best we can out of every player... And yeah, we can't keep him in cotton wool forever, but we've already said it. A 17-year-old kid has not finished growing. It's one thing for a gymnast, a Russian gymnast at, at 13 to carve up the grown-ups, but it, they're not going, they're not running, you know, they're not copying a Sonny Bill Williams shoulder or a Steve Maddow shoulder to the to their rib cage at, you know, at both running at 40 kilometers an hour. It's it's a very different thing. And we've got to protect them from themselves. Every young player would want to play tomorrow but that's not what is best for them. I agree with you, Mario. Although something occurs to me, I'd fucking love to see Shane Webke on the parallel bars. But look, you know, this is really interesting. I've been having a good think about this and I'm wondering if age itself is a bit of an arbitrary measure for allowing someone to come into the first grade. And I want to ask you guys about this. There's obviously been a lot of discussion at the junior level about age versus weight. So the weight for age argument, especially with a lot of Polynesian kids coming into the game. Do you guys think that maybe we the NRL should be applying a similar metric where it's not so much about age, but it's where that player is physically? And one thing we know about Joseph Suwali, Xander, is he's a giant for his age. He's only 17 years old, but he's bigger than a lot of first graders. Big shout out to Corey Thompson. Where, where do you see that at the moment? Do you think that might be a viable thing to do? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a debate that's been raging for a really long time. And, and um, you know, that, they've actually made inroads on that front. They have, you know, uh, demarcated, you know, age versus weight um, mm. in, the, in the lower ranks to some degree. And yet Corey Thompson still plays. <laughs> um, but, but Suwali himself, like, the, the problem, uh, I, I get that, that, oh, yeah, he's a big guy um, for his age. Mm. But there is still the problem that, you know, he's still growing into his body, right? Like he's still, like he's, 
he's still a, a mid teenager, well, yeah. you know, mid to late teenager. Like, you know, he will he will be markedly different in terms of his hardness and his readiness to play at from seventeen to twenty five. Xander, could you have seen yourself playing at seventeen? Now you're <laughs> no. now, the, the, it's a viewers it's a non visual no. medium, but you're a very fit man these days. You your biceps bigger than the width of my head. But back then, uh, back in when we were in high school, uh, I don't think you would have lasted too long no, in the first grade game. I mean, yeah, I, w- I was not a, a physical specimen of, of, of Suwali's uh, calibre. Um, <laughs> yeah, they would have pulled your hair too, mate. You had long they, hair back they, then. They would have. Um, but, uh, you know, would have, I probably wouldn't have had it for very long, <laughs> being the hazard that it is. Yeah, I would have ripped it straight um, up your head. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I just have misgivings. I think even if you are a big kid... It is, you know, it is one thing to be rolling other over smaller kids. It's mm. just a whole other thing to be going up against men. Murray, you mentioned something interesting earlier. You mentioned the likes of, of Freddie Fitler and Israel Folau. Look, they're, they're examples of people who debuted before the age of 18 and obviously debuted and had very successful careers. Do you, do you think that the 18, it's, it hasn't been around for too long, obviously. It's, it's only been a few years. Do you think that that... Uh, that they've actually picked out the right number there with 18 when you consider the you know the the few examples there we have where players have actually gone on to have really successful careers or do, or you're happy with 18 there is no right answer as the problem you can like to try and say it on a case by case basis but unless you have the benefit of hindsight you can't do that if you look at the NBA right now Zion Williamson is 20 years old and he debuted just before July, so he would have been 19 because he was born in July, I believe. Um, he is an absolute beast, an absolute unit. And what we saw from him shows that he is already one of the better players in the comp and within a couple of years may well be the, gr- the best player in the NBA. But he's already had a whole bunch of um, issues involved with playing a very physically demanding sport and weighing as much as he does because he is still growing into his body. He's going to, you know, he's got a bit too much puppy fat on him, probably more muscle than he needs. And he's going to eventually fill out in the right directions and be able to hold himself in a better way because the guy's got an incra- a crazy high vertical leap. He's only six foot five, if I remember correctly. Um, and yet he's jumping over the top of the seven footers at times. So you don't know. At 18, he may well have been already pretty good against the grown-ups, but he was held held at least until 20 because that's how NBA works. Um, but So what is the right age? There is no answer. But the point is, even if Zion's still growing at 20 and he is an absolute beast, he would, he would you know, Nelson Asafa Solomona would look at him and go, whoa. Um, I don't think Joseph Suwali should be starting at 17 anyway. There's no answer in terms of his 18 the right answer because there is no answer. There, there's a certain level of arbitrariness to it, but um, you know, I mean, like scientifically, we do know that that men kind of reach their physical peak and kind of stop that that um, like broadening out and everything at about 25, right? Mm. Um, you know, but you know, you're 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 a, a, a grown man before that. Um, so I think there, there's a balance between sort of getting to the end of your teens and and into that sort of early part of your 20s. I mm. mean, in the NFL. It's, it's pretty like the majority of players are, are start in their mid twenties and older. Like yeah. there's, they you know they it's it's a it's a stop start game, but because it's so incredibly high impact, 
you just can't have kids at that level, mm. um, you know, playing against the the full time professionals in the NFL. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point, right? Because none of us here are medical professionals, mm. but I w- I do want to pose a question to you. Um, as much as we're not doctors, although Xander, you did have a brief period where you claimed to be a gynecologist, although a lot of women complained. I want to know if, um, you know, we know that brain development, for example, it sort of only reaches maturity mid-20s. Do you think the NRL needs to actually have a look at, in terms of when a person debuts, whether or not with all the concussion rules that are around with the HIA these days, it actually should go the other way, that that player should actually be debuting at a later age, not an earlier one? Yeah, that's, to be honest, my instinct is that if, uh, you know, if anything, 18 is probably still too young. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, like for all the reasons we've just stated and particularly the concussion stuff, you almost want to be, it's a little bit like, you know, um, people's uh, uh, developmental issues with drugs. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there's a kind of threshold there where people who have started taking drugs at an early age are more likely to have long-term life effects whereas opposed um, to people who've done it later in life, they tend to have less issues, um, particularly yeah. the sort of psychotropic um, drugs. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's, there's probably, if anything, that the trend uh, based on evidence may end up going the, the opposite direction. Mario, you actually mentioned Adam Ritson before. He's someone that debuted at 16. Now, anyone that's not familiar with this story, um, big, very, very promising forward who ended up actually developing a, a brain cyst after a vicious John Lomax tackle, which effectively ended his career at the age of 20. Do you think if we start making these kind of exceptions, Mario, that we might see more of these sort of Adam Ritson cases, or is that sample a bit too small? Look, I may be incorrect on this, but I believe that the John Lomax tackle was actually what saved his life rather than what caused the problem, I think. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard that. I, I may be wrong, and I'm sure someone might yell at me for that. So if someone, if I'm wrong, I'm happy to be corrected, but that's my understanding of it. But in, in any case, I, I don't know enough about the topic, honestly, and so therefore I'm going to make an absolute bold statement of yes there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever that that is the case and i am definitely a doctor i love your commitment mate xander look let's move away from health a little bit and talk a little bit more about player development we touched on it a bit earlier but uh, as you said phil gould hates this idea of actually lowering this age threshold because of the idea that uh, he believes we're setting up false expectations for parents obviously players show a lot of promise when it comes to junior footy all the time and what he's worried about is the idea of creating an environment where player managers and clubs start throwing shitloads of money at people at the age of 14, 15, 16, mm. who at that level might be scoring four or five tries a game and looking amazing. But as we know, to transition to first grade and become a, a, a consistent first grader is pretty rare. Um, do you think he has a point there? Mario has made that that exact point that you know there are plenty of players we've seen carve up um, you know in those uh, in their sort of uh, junior grades and it's just a different game like it's yeah. as simple as that so no I, that's that's precisely why I'm concerned about it is you, you just you can't take that form you know you 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 obviously like that form forms the high, highlights reel based on those early contracts with the NRL yeah but you can't assume it's going to translate. No, that's very true. And what about the the finances of clubs? Now, uh, the Roosters are throwing a fair bit of money at this kid. Obviously, he shows a lot of really pro- like they've 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 thrown him sixty grand. But th- I assume there's been an agreement made where they've actually sort of promised him a fair bit of cash, right? They've they've get basically given him you know a conditional contract where yeah he's first 
you know, a couple of years he's on he's on minimum wage effectively mm. um and uh, yeah then there's obviously if he if he meets those criteria then yeah he'll get a good contract uh, but they've also given him the freedom he wanted that if he wants to leave he can go and play rugby right yeah um so i mean i think part of part of me thinks that uh, in a certain sense, the Roosters just did this to piss South off. Exactly. That's a better reason than most, isn't it? Peter Volandi's gentleman, a, a man known for breaking rules and conventions. Uh, remember when he wanted to actually infect Peter Fitzsimons with the Ebola virus. Uh, he's an innovator. I like him for that. Uh, but now he's actually made overtures that he'd like to see Cameron Smith fast-tracked to become an immortal. Now, I feel like I know where this conversation's <laughs> going to go already. Um, but I'm going to open up with the first question. I'm going to throw to someone that likes Cameron Smith heaps. I'm going to go to you, Mario. The first question we're asking on the show is, would this actually undermine the Immortals concept for you and allow too much recency bias if we actually let Cameron Smith become an Immortal from 2021? I'm going to say no, because in my opinion, the Immortal concept has absolutely no bearing or relevance of any sort. It's completely irrelevant. It was created, for goodness sake, to sell port. Like, fuck the Immortal concept. See you later. Not interested. Hall of Fame is all we need. And he's right. It does have humble beginnings, Xander, uh, the Immortals concept. It was effectively created by a magazine, as, as uh, Mario quite rightly says, to sell some wine and some port. But since then, it's actually developed quite a bit of reverence. And I have to say, from my own personal opinion, I love the Immortals concept. I think it's quite unique. It's not something that every sport has. I think most sports have a Hall of Fame, which Rugby League also has. But the Immortals is is an extra layer. But for PVL to come out and insinuate that Cameron Smith, who's still playing, by the way, hasn't announced his retirement should become an immortal from next year. It seems a bit rich to me, but what's your opinion? It's it's fucking atrocious. I mean, Jesus. Uh, like I I take the point that yeah, it, you know, it started had it had um fairly um comical beginnings. But, you know, a lot of these things do evolve over time and and this is now something that the the game is taking control of yeah. as of next year, right? Like they're taking it out of the hands of the media and they're going it, to it'll it'll be owned by the game and it's and it's a small I love what they did this year. Was yeah. it this year that they did the reforms? I loved it. Well, apart from the fact that um oh yeah, that's right they did. Yeah, they they reformed the, uh, this year. Same with the the, the Dally M's is what I was thinking. Oh, well, let's not go into yeah. that. <laughs> Jack White and fuck you, mate. Yeah. You've lost origin for us. Uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but no, you you were saying. Yeah, no, I, I just I, I I think that it does lead itself to quite a lot of recency bias. Like, I mean, they've yeah. got Norm Proven in there, um, but you know, there's there's a lot of other dragons. You could probably make the case that having won eleven in a row probably mm. should get the gong as well. There, it Rod just, Wishart, Wayne Bartram. I mean, not? the list is endless. <laughs> well, it's not Andy endless. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a little bit like judging a, a film just after you've watched it. So it's good to let the thing sit with you for a minute before yeah. you before you um you know give it a rating or. I totally agree with you. In fact, uh, I remember when I watched Biodome for the first time, I thought, "Fuck, I should never have said it deserved an Oscar." One one thing you'd say about the recency bias is when Darren Lockyer retired back in was it 2011 when he got you know humiliated. Um, the the fact is everybody oh. at least from Queensland was convinced that he was an immortal, lock it in, absolute, no doubt. And yet, if you ask most people now who the, immor- who the next immortal should be, he's down the list. He's barely even mentioned. And I feel like in five Absolutely. years, I'm going to be for Thurston. And the only one out of this whole batch will be Cam Smith, will be the only person who is still consistently mentioned as the next immortal. Not, not bloody, oh, look, I'm helping out homeless Billy Slater. 
not Greg Inglis, not any of these other Queensland fuckers. Just that, just Captain Cuntox himself. <laughs> well, I've got to say, as a New South Welshman, it hurts me to say this, but Darren Lockyer is very high on my list. I don't think the near decade since his retirement has actually deterred me, Xander, from suggesting he's high up on that list. But I tell you what, we've got a question coming up later in the segment where we'll actually ask you guys who you think the next immortal should be. So we'll save that as a bit of a, a crescendo to this segment, let's say it that way. But look, we've mentioned recency bias, fellas. Do we have an idea of how long a player should have to wait after they retire before they become an immortal? Um, for me, I'm going to start off here. For me, it's a minimum ten years. I was about to say exactly the same thing. I think it's I think it's a it's ten years plus. It, it, what what uh, Mario said before is right. That you know, having a bit of time. Like I, I actually agree with with Mario on this one. Lockie was a great player, but. You know, when I think of who should be the next immortal, I, like I probably think of, uh, I, I probably think Peter Sterling deserves a slot better, like more than he does mm. um, at this stage. Like, I mean, you, you go back and you you look at his career at its height. Yeah. I mean, he he really revolutionised the uh, like the game when he was playing, right? But I he's agree. he's not he's not an immortal. Not yet. Look, and it's not to say he's out of the running either. I actually agree with you. I think Peter Sterling should be right in that conversation. But look, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think the three of us here, um, not necessarily Cameron Smith's greatest fans, uh, but I will put this question to the table. One of us actually qualifies as his, his actual, you know, mortal nemesis. <laughs> nemesis yeah. You are the Lex Luthor to his Superman, or it should be the other way around, I think. But is there an argument to suggest that Cameron Smith should be made an exemption? Considering if you no. actually th- well, <laughs> no, wait, let me finish, no. fellas. Let me finish. There is no devil's advocate arg- <laughs> argument on. for well, him I, being I, made I, an exemption. I'm going to make my case. The referees have made enough exemptions of him already. <laughs> Look, well, there is very little dispute in public discourse that Cameron Smith will be an immortal one day. Love him or hate him, most people concede the fact that he will 100 percent become an immortal. So, if we have such certainty, Mario, I'm going to go to you first. If we have such certainty, why are we waiting? To quote um, the absolute legends over at League Digest, the issue is that Cam Smith has zero stardust, is the term they use. There is nothing mythical about Cam Smith. You're going to look back and you're going to say, like, he, he, the guy doesn't have a highlights reel. He doesn't have a highlight in his entire career, apart from being punched in the dick or sent to the sin bin. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was pretty special as a moment, though. Big mate, shout David. out to Jeremy Lattimore. The, the next immortal. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's ahead on the list. No, like, I, I think I think yeah, Mario is right though. Like, I mean, it's not just this, uh, the the point about his highlights reel, and you know, generally you kind of do think of players who could take the game by the scruff of the neck and just do incredibly magical things. And I think that's right. Like, he's he was a you know he's always been a famous game manager, but he you know. He he doesn't have that moment where he sets up the try. It's more the little things that are that are hard to notice. But what I would say is, even if everyone does agree that at some point he'll be an immortal, and I and I still think that's an open question because in ten years' time, maybe the the landscape will just look so different. We, you know, it's very hard to project forward. I do think that there's a level of disrespect shown to the people who deserved it for a long time, but we've waited. Mm. And I, I do feel like, well, if it's there's a time period we wait to uh, admit them all, you know, it's just not his turn. Well, here's the thing. I completely agree with you when, you when you're talking about the timing, but I'm going to completely disagree with you that there's any grey area whatsoever 
that Cameron Smith won't become an immortal one day. I mean, Murray, you refer to his highlights reel and the, the magic fairy dust or whatever. Okay, fair enough. But he is, and we all know this, we can lie to ourselves if we want. Hang He's the most influential NRL player probably in the modern era. I think you're, you're discounting all sorts of things that may come to light. I mean, what if, we, what if we find out there's basically a bunch of dead hookers in his basement? <laughs> well, then I'll reconsider. It's still my beating heart. But no, yeah. Okay, like, so barring the fact that he might be fucking Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, do you think there's any way... Rolf Harris. You just, yeah, never be, you just never know. You know what? I think that he would rise above a controversy, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know that. Do any of you really resist the idea that Cameron Smith, although he might not make the the highlights real, he's the guy who's the puppet master. He orchestrates probably the most successful team of the modern era. He's the linchpin of that era. He's an incredibly valuable player. His consistency is probably second to none, even in all the bad ways. He consistently sort of cheats the system as well but I don't think you make the call now I think do you I think, think in 10 years time Xander to play devil's advocate again do you think that in 10 years time we're going to go yeah he was influential for 17 years but I've seen better yeah <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the voluntary tackle where we're all about giving back here on the show, fellas. We all know that because, you know, I give to charity, Mario does his soup kitchens, and occasionally Xander gives some prostitute a facial. So we know that we all refund in our own way. But today on the show, we actually want to refund in a different way. We want to read out some of our podcast ratings and comments because that's something we've never done on the show because we've been inherently selfish. Uh, and I'm going to blame, I should blame the host and organizer, but I'm going to blame... Mario for this one for some reason. It's a huge thank you to anyone that's ever rated or made a comment about the voluntary tackle wherever you're listening to your podcast. On this particular occasion, we're going to read out a couple of comments from Apple Podcasts because it's the only place that I know. Where do you do, Mario? Is it Podcast Addict or some shit? Podcast Addict because I'm not one of you Apple freaks. Okay. Well, we've just been impugned for our brand preference, Sander. Do you feel a bit insulted? I do. I mean, I don't really care. I just It's more through inertia for me at this point. It's just yeah. too much effort to try and change systems. I'm on WeChat. By the way, a massive shout out to my lord and master. Uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, I'm a massive fan of you. Please don't execute my family frivolously. They're no longer Uyghurs, so leave them alone. Um, look, I'm going to go through these now. Mate, they, they re-educate them. Okay? Yeah, sorry, that's right. It's not a gulag. It's a re-education camp. It's essentially a TAFE. They're all very thankful after, <laughs> after coming end. out, when yeah, the, if, if they do come Those out. that survive yeah. say that it was a great course. Um, this one comes from Richard Cranium. He says, uh, assume it's a he. It could be a they. You never know. We, we live in a woke era. We need to ask their pronouns. I know. I should never assume a gender identity. Apologies, Richard. Uh, but you said this is a must listen. If you like rugby league and have a bad sense of humour, not sure if I like that, then don't let the fact that it's two Roosters fans uh, host the show uh, take you wrong. It has a cameo from one of seven Manly fans in existence. That must be <laughs> re referring to you, Media Watch. Uh, um, it it contains in-depth analysis Opinions and hilarity. You'll enjoy the ride. You may not necessarily agree with everything said. Again, hurtful, but we love you, Richie. Uh, but opinions uh, are like Dylan Walker's oh, e, e, and ellipses. I mean, assholes. Everyone has one. In all seriousness, though, they do ask some serious, tough questions and social media interaction and feedback from the punters. Give the guys and Media Watch Mario a listen. 
Now, fellas, the check's in the mail, right? The check is in the mail. It's coming directly from your account, isn't it, Xander? No, it's not coming from mine. <laughs> Mario, what are you willing to pay Richie in? What currency? Well, I take all the sweet, sweet podcast dollars. You guys don't deserve any of them. You know, being a manly fan, it's just my thing. Um, so I'm sorry to to Thanks. Mitch, which I believe is Richard Cranium's actual name. You'll get nothing from me, no how, because you are Parramatta scum and go to hell. You even know who he supports. That's great. Mario's very wide in to the NRL community. Uh, Richie, thank you so much for that, mate. We really do appreciate it, despite the barbs and the weirdly uh, sort of visceral venom that we're throwing your way. We also got another one from Scoob, uh, who said, great and often hilarious, awesome podcast. The chemistry is great. Are you two married in parentheses? Uh, we're not yet, but who knows, Then we may end up tying the knot. And now that Mario's here, he may actually watch as we consummate that could union. Could be an all-men harem. <laughs> it could be, you know. Don't I don't know mean, if that's a thing or makes in, sense. We live in a progressive world. That's like the next Mad Max film. I think it will be an all-male <laughs> harem in the outback of Australia somewhere. That's a disturbing image. You know, they had those women locked up in the vault milking them. I mean, if it's with men. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I can only assume it's milk pads straight to the gonads. Uh, let's talk about the roosters and Cameron Smith. Wouldn't go astray. Keep up the great work. Um, having said that, we've dedicated almost an entire episode today to the Roosters and Cameron Smith. So <laughs> sorry about that, Scoob. We didn't mean it. Um, the next uh, review comes from our good mate, The Biggest Tiger, who says, more South African accents, please. I love this podcast. They are a few sillier, which is an amazing feat. The only thing is it needs more Mario to maybe crack out a South African accent once in a while just to really set things off. Well, that's the biggest tiger really throwing down the gauntlet to you, Mario. So can you please regale our listeners with a South African accent, please? He was supposed to remind me. Well, oh, what the fuck was that? Scottish. He was supposed to remind me before I recorded to get it in my head, and it's totally gone. So, no, sorry, biggest, I got nothing. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. We're going to end on a, something a little bit different this week, um, and I, we want you as listeners to play along. Xander and Mario are going to go head to head. In uh, three questions, we of call that docking, I believe. Pro- probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's nineties trivia. Oh. And your objective, listeners, is to actually beat Xander or Mario to the answer. All right, the first question, fellas. Okay, now the person who gets this first will actually be the winner, okay? So it doesn't matter if you're both right. There's no fucking we all win here. I want the person who gives me the correct answer first. And the first question involves uh, the great blockbuster film Jurassic Park. Now put these Jurassic Park dinosaurs in order from shortest to tallest, okay? Uh, It's the T-Rex, the Brachiosaurus, the Triceratops, and the Velociraptor. First person to say Buzz gets in first. Buzz. All right, go for it, mate. Okay, Xander's in first. Sorry, Mario. Xander's in first. Um, so it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. The delay's going to... Yeah, the delay <laughs> fucked you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm at a distinct advantage. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. I should not make these time-oriented. But anyway, Xander's won this one. 
Um, so it's got to be the Velociraptor. What are the what, so? Veloc- okay, so you've got the T Rex, yep. the Brachiosaurus, the Triceratops, and the Velociraptor. So, Shortest to tallest. Yeah, it's Velociraptor. Um, I think it's. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember this. Brachiosaurus, Triceratops, T Rex. Okay, wow. Well, that is a big buzz. Um, unfortunately, you didn't get it correct, but Mario seems very confident. You better fucking get it now, mate. Velociraptor, Triceratops, T-Rex, Brachiosaurus. Mario gets the point. Correct. Does. Well yeah. done, mate. Mario's off in a in, in the best of three. He's off to a 1-0 lead. Better lift your game, Xander. I hope you know your Seinfeld and your arithmetic because the next question involves both. I need you guys to tell me the number of magic ball on Putty's Bomber-style jacket minus George Costanza's perfect baby name. Buzz in when you're ready. No fucking idea. Um, I'll leave this one to you, Mario. No, I got nothing. <laughs> Do you guys remember any of these episodes? Uh, I don't. I remember. I remember his jacket, but I don't remember Costanza's perfect baby name. Okay, you can have a stab. You might. It's a number. You know that much. Okay. Uh, six. Six is incorrect. Mario, what's your shot? He did have an eight on there, I'm quite sure. But the George Costanza bit, I got nothing. I figure I'm already ahead of Xander just by getting the number right. He's playing strategically. Very Cameron Smith of you, mate. Well played. Uh, believe it or not, George Costanza wanted to name his baby seven. Therefore, it was eight minus seven. And the answer was one. I hope you're keeping up with this, listeners. So it is a one-nil advantage. Xander, you can tie this series and really deflate all sense of charisma from this segment by making it a draw. And there is no golden point on the voluntary tackle. We haven't got enough cards. So it's like the, the Wallabies test that just finished. Exactly. It'd be very rugby union. Everyone will just be very, very upset that they went. So don't let this be a thing. Uh, on February 11th, 1990 in Tokyo, Japan, which of these boxes knocked out Mike Tyson? Was it Buster Douglas, George Foreman, Roy Jones Jr. or Evander Holyfield? Buzz. Oh, Xander's in. Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas is correct. We have a one-all draw, which is probably says a lot about this show. Uh, there's there's no carryover champ. There's, there's no, no additional winners. questions. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, listeners, that does bring us to the end of another show. We thank you very much for your company again for another week. If you could spare some time to rate or leave a comment on the show, wherever you're listening to the podcast, that would be amazing. And as you've already heard, it may even earn you a sort of a bizarre amalgam between South African accents and Scottish accents from Meteorch Mario. Sounds a little bit like if F.W. de Klerk fucked Sean Connery. It's really weird, uh, and you might earn that nice little treat. We'll also read everything out on the show, because let's be honest, we've got nothing else to talk about. So again, thank you very much to our panellists, Media Watch Mario and Xander Rosotto. We'll see you soon.